Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2023. This is another edition of Football Today. That is my man, Bobby Skinner from the Talk of Giants world. I am Chris Rose. Producer Mikey along for the ride as well. Happy New Year. Certainly hope you enjoyed the NFL this weekend and most definitely college football on Monday. Those were those were fun games back to back. Yeah, it's just a shame it was up till three in the morning to to finish that <laughs> on the on the East Coast. Uh, but yeah, those were both good games. The the Alabama Michigan one just that the last you know two minutes and then the overtime just had you on you know pins and needles. Like is is Michigan gonna pick do this or is you know, the worst Alabama team in the last 10 years is going to just be in the college football championship. So um, exciting stuff and a lot of exciting NFL action, too. No question. As far as Washington, real quickly, we'll put the college to bed. I was thinking the whole last drive, I was like, oh, my God, a kid's injury is going to prevent the Huskies from being in the national championship game. And plus, that kid has been hurt for a month now. Why in the world would you give him the ball with the possibility of him stopping the clock because of an injury? Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, now, you know, I I know we'll do some draft stuff. Yeah. This is the college football playoff is the most annoying time for draft Twitter because it's every quarterback is just like a top five pick. And I'm like, yeah. let's let's just get to March when you guys, if you know, your emotions are out of this. So, um, but I'm excited for uh, Penix versus versus McCarthy. Like, yeah, two of the more controversial QBs. Yeah, that'll be coming up next Monday in Houston. Going to be a ton of fun. But let's get it going with uh, Week 18 in the NFL. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still very much alive in the AFC wildcard chase. They will take on the Baltimore Ravens. We don't know who the Ravens are going to be sitting, but we know who will be starting at quarterback for the Steelers come Saturday. It's one of two Saturday games. That will be Mason Rudolph. He's going to get a third straight start. Now, there was some reports out there that this past Sunday in Seattle, Kenny Pickett, who, of course, is just a few weeks removed from ankle surgery, refused to be the backup. And so that's why he was inactive on Sunday. Well, on Tuesday, Pickett stood in front of the media scrum in Pittsburgh and delivered this. Attacking, you know, my character and how I am as a person, not even getting into a player standpoint of it. Um, there was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a two. Um, if I was healthy enough to play and the trainers and coaches felt like I looked good enough to play, I was going to start and play. Um, if they believed that I was not, which they believed I was not, I was not going to dress and suit up for the game. Um, so whoever reported that, I don't know where it started. Um, it's kind of crazy what people were write and put out there um, to try to you know, prove their point or help their standpoint or their careers and, and what you guys do. Um, but, you know, disappointing to see that uh, without any proof or basis of it. So this week I'm now the two. They feel good four weeks out of the surgery uh, for me to dress and be the two. So I will be the two and do what I have to do to be ready to go for Baltimore. So. All right, so there are two different lanes. Let's start, first of all, with the reports, which to me sounded crazy. And you and I have both had a difficult time even narrowing down. I originally heard a report from The Athletic, but I couldn't find it in The Athletic, which I have a subscription to. This would be crazy if a guy just two years into his career refused to be the backup. 
Yeah, the only place I could find it was Mark Madden, who was like the epitome of like radio douchebag. Um, and like just, just <laughs> like not just like oh radio shtick, like it's just a kind of a well known asshole. I've talked with people in Pittsburgh about him, and just in general. Um, yeah, I if it's only coming from Mark Madden, I don't believe it. Like you said, try try to find it. Um, but there is. Like to me, the bigger story is well, he's healthy now and he's quarterback QB two behind Mason Rudolph, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like okay, then the era's over. But at the same time, with we know Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, how they kind of operate, and some of the bad parts of that are coming to light a little. What are, what else are they going to do at quarterback next year? So like I'm I'm actually betting on Pickett. Like here, let me ask you this: Do you think Kenny Pickett is playing in this game by the third quarter? No. I don't, I, because this is the best that the offense has looked all year. And the thing is, Mason Rudolph, he, Mason Rudolph hasn't even been a backup the last few years. He has been an inactive number three quarterback, right? He hadn't even made a start in a couple of years until he did three games ago now. So, but but the offense is different. You have to admit it. Like, he is finding Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett in his last two games has 11 catches, basically 330 yards receiving, and has been the game changer that they thought he could be. They have run the ball more effectively. And all this is with Mason Rudolph. To me, the bigger question is, week one next year, is Kenny Pickett under center? Yeah, George Pickens has been huge for them. The running game, obviously, that's kind of – that's not on the QB. But Rudolph wasn't just like – like he, it's not like he was pushing the ball downfield like – crazy but like he had the third highest like cpoe in week 17 which kind of shows he's putting the ball in some tight windows here's why i think he will be who else is going to be who are they going to draft somebody 20th overall again and we know the shields even if they were to like draft someone in the second or third round they are the exact type that will start pick it and then bring that guy in week four i mean they did the same thing with trubisky and Piscuit, uh trubisky and Pickett last year so the era is coming to an end, but I don't think it's quite over. Is there any possibility they go out and get a veteran? There's there's a couple of guys who are going to be available that they pay thirty five million instead of continue to sit on a rookie contract where they know that the offense hasn't been any good. Which veteran though? Because what like like Kirk Cousins isn't going to want to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, like to me, it's it's what veteran. Like if they give if they give Baker Mayfield the biggest contract out there yeah but that's to me I, I you know baker's done some good things this year but i'm not breaking the bank for baker mayfield if i'm pittsburgh okay well let's look at it this way how much better would pittsburgh be with better than average quarterback play this year they'd be a good amount better but they still have like offensive like schematic issues right like the matt cat canada stuff was real and just because you you know you got off of him doesn't mean it's fixed you still have like it's still that playbook, right? They didn't reinstall a whole new offense. So, like, to me, it depends on if Tomlin makes, like, wholesale changes to the offensive staff in the offseason or if he, you know, kind of just does what he's done before and just kind of upgrades guys one one position up in the in the building. So, if they can go get a good offensive mind, like, yeah, they can do some good things. But if they have just an above-average quarterback, he's going to look like an average QB on that offense. Okay. Let's finish it off with this. Raise your hand if you think Kenny Pickett is the week one starter in 2024. We both raised our hands. Yeah, we were raising our hands. We both think that he's <laughs> just because it's the Steelers, right? Like they, they're not going to know how to just give up on a on a on a third year quarterback. 
They're yeah. going to at least try and salvage it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. It's been 20 years since they've had to try and find a quarterback. You know, they're not used to it there. You've got and decision you about, makers who haven't had to do, go down this road. You remember, you know, they went 15-1 and one with Big Ben as a rookie. You forget why Big Ben played, though. Tommy Maddox got hurt. Like, sure did. They would have probably, and that was with Coward. They probably would have stuck with Tommy Maddox for a good bit before they went to Big uh-huh. Ben, who had you know an excellent rookie season when when QBs at that time didn't really have those types of rookie years. No, yeah, it's a good point. Um, all right, so the Steelers, you know, part one of the equation of them getting into the playoffs is beating the number one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens, on Saturday. And the Ravens, they could end up resting people. I'm sure we'll find out later in the week what that competitive team will look like. However, there's no question. They continue to whoop up on good competition. They put 56 on the Miami Dolphins to earn that number one seed. In your opinion, is it going to feel like a major upset if the Ravens are not representing the AFC in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58? I mean, it has to. Not major upset, right? Because I I know you don't believe in the Chiefs, but I can see the Chiefs rallying. I think the Browns can give them issues. They beat them once this year. Right, so it's it's the NFL. They can win one game, but to me, they are obviously the clear favorite. I mean, they've blown out six playoff teams this year, including the AFC two seed and the NFC one seed in the past two weeks. You know, not some early game stuff that that had that hasn't you know carried for the rest of the year. You know, and they have the they have the MVP QB and the number one defense. Right, where I talk about why I believe in the Chiefs, despite all their issues, is they have you know the best QB in the NFL and the number two defense. Well, they got the this year's MVP and number one. They yeah they they have to be, I think they're clear far and away the favorite. Not close, and, and the answer is yes. If if they don't make it, I'll be shocked, shocked. Yes, sixty minutes of football, weird stuff can happen. But this is this is only the second time in franchise history they've been the one seed. This is totally different than twenty nineteen. That year, Lamar was a first year starter. He wasn't nearly the quarterback that he is today. Like, if you watch the coach's film, he is a great quarterback. And then you throw on top of everything else that he's the best playmaker in the sport. And you add that up, and I don't know how you stop him unless he, you know, the one the one weakness he's got is when he does have to stand in the pocket that he has the football very loose there. So that's something that could change a playoff game, right? If, if a guy if guys get a couple of strip sacks on them and create short fields, that's the kryptonite. kryptonite. But if that's what you're relying on in order to beat Lamar Jackson right now and that Ravens team, good luck. Yeah, that's the issue is what, because the playoffs are just a different animal. Like defenses are so much more, like, you know, people forget that this is a league run by human beings. Like, so you think everyone's in there in the film room, like Peyton Manning, that's just not true. But guess what? In the playoffs, everybody is in the film room like Peyton Manning, I think defenses are just... And Lamar has had those issues in the playoffs with turnovers, right? I know it's the last time we, we've seen him play in his 2020, but in five games, he has five interceptions and five fumbles. Um, now, again, he's a different quarterback than then, even though he was great at that point, too. Um, it's just... I, I Actually, I, I don't worry about Lamar. I worry about like the receiving group and the, like, the other offensive players like shitting the bed like we like i know they've only lost three games but like you the pittsburgh lost this year earlier like that was a game where they just totally shit the bed in that game so i i don't worry about lamar i just worry about that offense is not an offense that's full of just studs you know mark andrews if uh is mark andrews coming back any there so 
what they said a couple weeks ago was that he was on track to be there by the playoffs. So if they get him back on top of what likely has done, you now you have two tight ends you got to worry about. You know, Odell makes one play a game, but it's a huge play. And Zay Flowers is becoming a one receiver, just like they thought he would. Yeah, he's just got a drop issue, which is why you uh, you know, you worry about that type of stuff in the playoffs. Um, if if like if they if they go up against a Cleveland type defense or even the Chiefs, like who have a great defense, them being dialed in at their best, you know, you gotta like other guys have to step up too. That's where it's a different animal. But to me, that defense gives you a nice buffer zone to where. Like, you don't have to play perfect offense, and Lamar's going to show up, I think, regardless. And I think they're going to end up showing up in Las Vegas in the middle of February. All right, let's move to a team that was in the Super Bowl last year but looks miles and miles from it this season. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. They're staring at a five-seed if Dallas takes care of business in Washington this Sunday. Are you confident the defending NFC champs can rally and make a playoff run? It's tough because really the only the only the 49ers are the team you're really confident in the NFC. Everyone else has flaws, but I think Dallas is, is looked at as better than them right now. I mean, that defense is just not good. And to me, Matt Patricia has made it worse, hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, we're just going to play man coverage. Well, you don't have man coverage type players, you know, and they're doing these weird things where like they put like they put Nolan Smith at linebacker with like five down defense alignment. It seems like, okay, we will just run right at you. That's that's pretty cool. Um. You know, all they have on defense is their pass rush, and it's very good, but it's not as good as it last year. Their linebackers are out of place consistently, and their safeties are slow, and their cornerbacks are injured. They have real issues on defense, and that's before we even talk about the offense. Yeah, the defense has been a mess. You give up 221 rushing yards to the Arizona Cardinals, who aren't exactly a line that can push. Like, that's that's embarrassing, and it's horrible. I mean, I don't know if you – did you how closely did you watch that game this weekend? You know, I went. I went through the condensed game afterwards, but I, but I also saw the Eagles up close and watched. You know, every play right. three times the week before with the Giants game, and like they have real issues that are showing up on defense and offensively. Well, they're not. You know, they have their issues. Issues too. We'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, the crowd was horrendous, and I'm not picking on them. What I'm saying is, is that they were they were brutal, and we know that it's it's Philly fan and all that sort of stuff. But they had every right to be upset with that one. Right, you're you're playing for your NFC East and a, and a two seat on the line against a team that's won what three games coming in, like that is that's a tough go for them right now. I I think a lot of people have turned on Sirianni and this coaching staff. Um, people aren't happy with it. it. You mentioned the offense. You know shit is wrong when they beat you guys on Christmas Day. Okay, you got to win in the division on Christmas Day at home. You should be feeling good. Like, hey, let's go celebrate. Got a W. We're in line at least to be the two seed. Like, let's feel good about it. Nope. Devontae Smith's looking like, we can't do this stuff. Can't have this stuff. A.J. Brown won't talk to the media. Guy didn't catch a touchdown in the month of December. Jalen Hurts is turning it over at an alarming rate. Like, how is this happening? You've got a quarterback that is a top 10 quarterback. You've got arguably the best pair of receivers the best two receivers right the combo in the nfl you've got a really good tight end you've got an offensive line that just won't quit how the heck are this there this many problems with this offense 
they don't have answers. Where like I actually think people will look at Jalen Hurts and the turnovers, and like that's the difference, and that obviously does make a huge difference. I think Jalen Hurts is playing pretty well. I think he's playing above that scheme. Where last year it was Jalen Hurts was playing perfect within the scheme. Like there was, you know, if you drop four, if you drop four deep, they had answers for that. You drop three deep, they have answers for that. They you send six at them, they have answers for that. They have like they were playing, you know, the you know just all out blitzes at the Giants and Wink Martin. They're like to run, and they didn't have any like hot routes. They had nothing. It's like, well, what, like that's ba- that's basic football shit. So they don't have the answers that they had last year. And I think they're truly missing Shane Steichen, which is why Sirianni is getting heat. Where it's like, was this a Steichen offense? Which is very funny because it's like Doug Peterson and Frank Reich all over again. Um, they just don't have answers for things. And I think Jalen Hurts is playing well, but he's playing. He's having to play above, you know, the the scheme that they have. So I, I guess one thing I didn't do was answer the question. I would be shocked, shocked if Philly makes it past. I mean, I think they'll end up beating Tampa or Atlanta or New Orleans or whomever they have to go down and see. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think they'll win. And then I think they're losing the next week, whether that's at San Francisco or Dallas. Dallas would be interesting, right? They they beat them once and then got blown out them by them another. They do now at the end of the day, they do have great talent, right? Like they have pass rush. Pass rush translates to the playoffs more than anything, right? If you have that pass rush and then on offense, they can just use their great players the right way. And with that offensive line, they can, you know, they could put up 30 points on anybody. Like they they can score 30 points on anybody if they just start using the right way. Like in, instead of having AJ Brown run 25 curl routes in a game, hey, let's use him you know, the way we've continued to all year. So I, I can't I, I can't give up on them, but they have major, major issues. I love giving up on teams. My favorite thing to do this time of year. Yeah, it's just the NFL. It's like the NFL. I'm 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 I've I'm always in it like these teams actually have a chance. Like I always give like three or four teams a chance to make because it's very rarely one V one, is it? Like I mean last year ended up being that. Mm-hmm. Usually you get like a two or a three in yeah. there. Yeah. Totally. It happens. And especially this year. Like it seems like every team besides the Ravens and the 49ers are flawed. Totally. Big you know, flaws. Which is why I guess you would just say, hey, Ravens and 49ers, easy walk. And that's obviously the popular pick. But you know, the like our neither I don't think either one of those teams have the best QB in their conference. Even though Lamar's gonna win the MVP, I still think Pat I think I like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen more than him. Um and in the NFC, I mean pretty you like Stafford more than him. I'd take Hertz over him, and I'd take Dak over him. I think that's all fair. I think that's all fair. I'm not so sure I would take Josh Allen over Lamar right now, but I'm willing to listen. But we've got plenty of time to discuss that. By the way, the one thing we haven't talked about, I'm sure we'll talk about on Friday, is the craziest scenario of the week is that the Bills could end up either the two seed or possibly out of the playoffs. That's amazing. Oh, that's that's the Sunday night game too, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to know by Sunday night whether or not it is a playoff game for them. It's it's very simple, very simple. Hey, one other quick thing off the beaten path because we're not going to have any place to discuss this. The Bradley Chubb injury. It's one thing that tro- totally drives me nuts. I cannot tell you how many games I sit there and watch where it's a twenty or thirty point lead by one team. And there's still mega stars in the game. And I know that the NFL is different, but there are enough backups to the point where Bradley Chubb had no reason being on that field with three minutes to go. Dude, good coaches do this too. 
And it's such a weird thing. Belichick like, did it for years. I mean, like, I'm t- like almost all these coaches do it, where it's like they feel like they're teaching their team a lesson, like you're going to stay in and learn from this, right? And it's like, I don't really know. Like, what lesson is learned from, you know, those guys playing an extra, you know, you know, quarter and a half. And if anything, it's like you could learn a lesson watching the backups go and get their ass kicked on the sideline where you just have to sit there and sulk. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand why coaches do that. And again, it's like all of the good coaches do it. Maybe it's one of those things from the outside in, looking in, we don't understand. But I, I will never understand that. And I love the argument. Well, the injury could have happened three minutes into the game. You're right. It could have. And guess what? It didn't. So now that you knew the score, you know what he would be? Healthy if you took him out with four minutes to go in the game. Right. And it again, like like I'm I'm in I'm in favor of almost you know, ninety-five percent of the roster playing in the preseason, mm-hmm. right? Unless it's like a you know, a star running back or somebody or someone that's just flat out proven. Like I want I want my quarterback playing in the preseason every year. I don't care what quarterback that he is. But at that point and this point of the season, to me, that makes no sense at all. And it screwed them. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, bigger quarterback story in the NFC North. Jordan Love has the Packers on the cusp of the playoffs in its very first year as a starter. Or Chicago, which has now secured the number one overall pick thanks to Carolina's disastrous season, has a real decision about moving off of Justin Fields. The Packer, uh, the Jordan Love stuff kind of bores me at this point where it's three games good, three games bad. It's the Bears, right? They This is one of the funniest... Like this is one of the this is gonna we're gonna look back at this decision and it's gonna be either like, man, they really played it well, or this was this is the dumbest shit. And I think they're gonna do make the wrong decision because they're keeping Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus for year three. That's mm-hmm. gonna happen. They didn't draft Fields, but he has played better. You have to make a decision on his fifth year option this offseason. I think what they did last year, you know, trading like the trade down that they got last year was amazing. The fact that the Panthers threw DJ Moore in there was wild to me. Um I think that broke Bears fans' brains and the Bears front office. Like, we're just going to get a sick trade down again. Now, look at a good trade down, but you're not going to get that guaranteed starter, you know, star and DJ Moore again. No other team's going to trade away one of their best three players in that. I think they're going to stick with him, and I think it's the wrong decision. Fields still has a way to go as a passer. He can make all the throws. He's a dynamic runner, so there'll always be a high floor in these great moments. But there's still a ways to go before he's a good NFL quarterback. But – how good does he have to be? Because I think that he can – He, you would admit that he's gotten better this year, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's as much as people it, – it feels it's always going to have games that are like, man, this is awesome QB play. And then there's going to be the other games against you know good defenses where it's like, man, he just doesn't see the field well. Okay. Like his passing is still not there. You can The highlights are great. It's not a question of can he make throws. He makes amazing throws. He just does not process very well as a passer. Okay, I would agree with you. I think that's all fair. Let's play this out. Even if they don't get exactly what they got last year in the Carolina swap, which for people that forgot, it was two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore. So they've used one of the ones. They used that on Darnell Wright, which is their starting lineman out of Tennessee. He's been okay, right? Up and down, bad moments, and had some good moments. Okay, but the talent's there, so you were willing to take a flyer on him in the top ten. And then Stevenson, who had a couple of picks, he has played pretty well for them. Uh, rookie out of Miami as a cornerback. Yep, he's played very well. So now they still have a one and a two, I believe, coming. Or did they trade that two? Or in the Montez Sweat deal, I, I forget where kind of where we are in that. 
Oh, I can't remember which two, but they have, but they still have a, they're going to have a high second round pick regardless. Right. So. right. so, you know, maybe you don't get exactly that, but it's possible. It's possible somebody's going to move up and say, hey, I want Caleb Williams or Drake May bad enough to give you a ton of stuff. And they're going to hold, they're going to hold other teams ransom because they're going to say, hey, look, this is what we got last year. And, I, and we're not going to part with this. Now, the other side of this equation is that at the beginning of the year, there was no question that Caleb Williams was the bona fide number one walk away Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck pick. Like there was no question about it. And now there is. So why in the world would you go with a, a coin flip, which is essentially what number one pick quarterbacks have been over the last 20 years? Uh, because you have it's to me I hate the coin flip like be good at evaluating quarterbacks like get get the quarterback who you believe is the best but trust your evaluation if you don't then you don't belong as the GM obviously you can make mistakes but here's here's what's not a coin flip Justin Fields it's it's more favoring him not being a good quarterback in the NFL and especially not he's not going to be he's not going to be a great quarterback in the NFL he can get to be a good quarterback I think with time but that's going to take time and guess what that's going to take money and investment from the Chicago Bears and that's going to get Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus fired which honestly I wouldn't be sure like you know I talk to Bears people and they're a little disappointed that they're keeping the head coach around are you a hundred percent certain that Caleb Williams will end up being significantly better than Justin Fields. I haven't even really started watching these quarterbacks to give you full takes on them, but they have their choice of any of them, whether it's Caleb Mays, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels or whoever. They, like, there's a, you know, and, and if they, hey, if they think all these quarterbacks aren't going to be good, right, they don't, like, they're like, hey, th these quarterbacks aren't great. They're, this is just media hype. Then, yeah, stick with Fields. But if you do think that and ju say Justin Fields, you know, he retires tomorrow, and your decision would be to draft a quarterback, then draft a quarterback. Don't let Justin Fields stop you from making that move. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, though, man, you, you said, well, you don't NFL making decisions. What about what the San Francisco 49ers? Or they wouldn't be doing is that Go look half of the quarterbacks that are taken in the first round over the last – I mean, we've been doing this forever. Really, if you go back 40 or 50 years, this is the way it goes. Somebody's going to be a star. Somebody's going to be good-ish. And then a couple of guys are going to suck. Oh, and absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's just the, the idea that every, every year is great is, is one of the most annoying things about uh, the draft. But here's the thing. If you do hit on that coin flip and you do have one of the greats, well, look at the teams that are great and Super Bowl contenders every year. I mean, look how bad the Chiefs are, but I still give them a damn shot because they got Patrick Mahomes. Look at all the issues Buffalo Bills have, and you give them a shot because they have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. It's If you do hit on that coin flip, well, now you got a job for 10 years. Like, I understand, I, I understand it's risky. The Giants are in a similar situation. But, like, to me, that coin flip is worth it you know, the 50-50 shot of hitting hitting heads and being set for the future. The only thing is, is that... Chicago, and these all the other draft picks they're going to get are coin flips, too. Like, it, are we sure are. Darnell Wright who is going nope. to be good, you know? No, but if you increase the number of picks, you're increasing the the hope that you're going to hit on one of these guys. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's always been a philosophy. Just give me as many picks as possible because some of them are going to shake out just naturally, even if it's, you know my evaluation that gets it done. I like the Bears defense has played very well 
I would say, the last six or seven games. And so if that part of their team continues to improve and you continue to sprinkle guys in through the draft, well, all of a sudden you're taking a little bit of pressure off your quarterback to not have to be elite. Maybe he could just hit his ceiling and that's good enough. To me, that's not good enough when you have the opportunity to go get the guy that you believe is the best in the class. And it's not you're not trading. It's not like you're trading picks away. You still have another top 10 pick this year. And then your first round pick the year after that, you have extra second that's round fair. picks. You got Montez. So it's like it's not like they're barren for picks. They they're set better than anybody else. So they can take the QB and add the pieces around them. You're, that, that, that part is fair. That's a that's a good point. It's gonna be great though. I love this discussion. Oh, it's one of the it's gonna be the most scrutinized decision in like the NFL in five years from now, if it goes and wrong. You have to keep in mind that the Chicago Bears, even though they were first on the clock, they traded that pick to Carolina. Never in the common era draft, which I believe started in nineteen sixty seven, they have never made the first overall selection. So this could be which, fun. And and hey, I love last year's trade down for them was amazing. To get and I think I've always been a big believer of DJ Moore as a wide receiver one on a bad team with bad quarterback play. And he's, you know, with Justin Fields, who's the best QB he's played with, he's, you know, had over 1,300 yards this year, a bunch of touchdowns. He's great. Um, that's it. It's like, you know, that's why I love that trade down so much more than just getting three first-round picks, two first and DJ Moore. But Bears fans are going to be spending the entire – until there's a decision made, Bears fans are going to be looking at the Giants and – the commanders and looking at their best players and be like, oh, we'll throw them in a trade. Those teams aren't doing that. They're not They're not making the Carolina mistake, which was a mistake way, as soon as you saw it. We all agree that the Bears made a great move because of DJ Moore and everything else, and it worked out because we're all looking at it through the Bryce Young lens. If the Bears had hung on to that pick and picked C.J. Stroud, then what? It's a different discussion. Exactly, which is kind of my point. Um, uh in that right now, obviously they they might have went Bryce Young and really screwed it up, um, but it's like believe in believe in your and there's Panthers people who wanted to take C.J. Stroud too. We've kind of mm -hmm. find the note like the David Tepper yeah. stuff that's gotten even crazier. Right, like he was the one who influenced the Bryce Young part of that. So um, believe in your evaluation and take it because you're 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 not going to save your jobs by being afraid. All right, we have to touch on this because it's ended up being one of the stories of the year, even though it happened on Saturday night. We don't have a ton of time. Uh, the whole reporting is eligible debacle. How would you divide the blame in this situation? Is it 100% on the referee, Brad Allen and his crew here, specifically him? Um, or does Dan Campbell deserve some of the blame for trying to make it so cutesy he sent three linemen over there to only have one guy report as eligible, it seemed like? It's 100% on the referee. Dan Campbell did go over it before the game when they, you know, they look, they go through the, every coach does it where they literally, you know, write up their, their trick plays. Also, this isn't something that Dan Campbell invented. Most teams do this, right? Like you think about all of like the, you know, the tackles like Lane Johnson or Andrew Thomas or whoever who have scored touchdowns. It's this exact same thing. You're not trying to trick the referee. You're trying to trick the defense, not because they don't know, but but you know, you they get into a lull of like, okay, extra lineman of, of uh is eligible. And they put it over the speaker and they don't really think nothing. Of it. And they you try and the sneak in there this time number. 68 is eligible and think you know they're trying to lull them asleep to it and then get the touchdown off of it so this is 100 percent on the referees and it pisses me off that they the nfl coaches and players get fined and the referees get to just be like oh they lied when we know like the lines are telling the truth and the referees are lying on what happened they screwed it up 100 percent. well so part of what i learned this year doing the browns radio 
where I filled in for several games this year, is that you're constantly hearing the referee microphone. Even if he doesn't broadcast it to the house, Mm -hmm. you're always hearing it on the radio feed. It's just hooked into your radio feed. So when extra linemen report, we always hear it in our ear who it is. So if they you usually do it to the whole stadium too. Usually, but they did. He, I don't believe he did it this time. But what you do hear it on the Dallas radio broadcast, and there was a clip of that on X where you could hear Brad Sham kind of talking around it, and he was like, "Okay, well, seventy is eligible because he announced seventy is eligible and not sixty-eight. So what do I think happened? I think he saw seventy who had reported throughout the game as an eligible. Um, he saw him running toward him, and he went on autopilot. Some people will say, well, hold on here. A couple of minutes earlier, they missed a tripping call in the game, and so that kept Detroit alive in this whole thing. To me, there is a huge difference between missing a tripping call, missing a holding call, not calling pass interference, and not listening and doing your job. To me, that is refereeing malpractice. You have Absolutely, to- and they did miss up that tripping call pr- very badly, too, by the way. It was a very bad call. That's too— like- and what bothers me so much is they get to do that pool report and they just get to lie. Like, no, nope, no, nope, number 70 reports. Like, no, we've all seen that's bullshit. You're lying. And I know they might get taken out of the playoffs or whatever, but it's, it's, it gets frustrating when there's like, there's no real punishment for fucking something up that bad. Okay. But what would you have done? What can you do? You can't reverse it. Like, we, we find these guys for running through contact. Find them, find them. Like, start making their pockets pay for it. They get well, paid a lot they, after that, you know, the strike back in the day. Like, like, you know, we find these players willy-nilly. Like, start taking it out of their pockets. None of these guys are, are light in the loafers either. Or, sorry, okay. I screwed that phrase up. They're light in the pockets either. Light in the, yeah, light in the pockets. Um, I, I don't know. We don't find players for bad play. We find them for illegal play. Like, if you drop a pass... Okay, well, guys get sakes, cut, then. When do these yeah, referees well, that, get cut? Now, that's uh, that's a different story, right? It feels like they're tenured professors a little bit, right? Like, they'll never lose their job. That's a different argument. We, For God's sakes, if we were finding the Kansas City Chiefs for every time they dropped a pass, those guys would be paying to play every Sunday. We can't do that. Okay, I, I'm not saying, like, you missed a holding call, but, like, stuff like this is... That's, like, that's a huge... That's what, and you go and lie about it afterwards. It drives me nuts. It's like when the when they you know they made pass interference, like these referees have eagles too. When they made pass interference reviewable, and they just were like, "Yeah, we're not going to do any of these. Like you're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna make you waste your challenges until the next year." They're they finally just got rid of them. Like, oh, well, the the referees are having a mutiny against the rules right now. It's amazing stuff. Um, all right, listen, we got one more week left. I can't believe we're almost at the end of the regular season, but I mean, really, the fun stuff is just beginning. Let's be honest. Really never stops. So we will see you again on Friday to set the tables for two two games on Saturday and 14 more on Sunday for our super-duper producer, Mikey, and Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Football Today.